If you're the founder of a venture-backed company in 2022, chances are you're having a really hard time hiring engineers. Okay, there's so many people hiring them, they're in demand, they're expensive, and it's hard to get the best ones on your team. And this is why I'm stoked to be partnering with Recruit.so, which makes this really easy. This is a startup that serves startups. They understand the founder's problems in recruiting it more than just about anyone. And if you just go to their website, Recruit.so, you'll see all the testimonials they have of their customers on how easy it is to work with them. So so if you're hiring engineers and you're having a hard time you know, getting that done, go to recruit.so and I think they might make your life a little easier. Now let's get into today's episode. What is going on everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository. And for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm talking to George Oni, who's the founder of Ancillary. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Oh, hey, Matt. Going good. Going good. And you? I am doing pretty well. I had some coffee. I got a new type of creamer yesterday. It's like triple churned. It's delicious. So I'm, I'm super, super amped and even more excited than drinking coffee. I'm stoked to have you on the podcast. I can't believe I haven't had you on yet. It's been, we've, we've been talking, you know, we've been talking for, for like, I don't know, a year at this point, but I'm glad to finally get it done. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Great to be here. Totally. Um, so for people that are listening, just to create a little context, George uh, is one of our alpha founders over at Seed Scout. So this is going to be a little bit of a, of a longer interview for you to get to know him on a little bit of a deeper level than kind of our standard interviews. Um, it might go 20 minutes, 25, 30, you know, something like that. Um, with all that said, um, George, uh, what are you working on? Tell us a little bit about uh, about your company. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I think it's also good to give some context of how we started and, you know, how this, how, how it got to be. So before starting Ancillary, I used to run a mobile payment company um, and we were focused heavily on travel. So with COVID, um, we got crushed, you know, to say the least. And after that, a bunch of buddies of mine were like, you know what, why don't we try the stock market? Um, what do we really have to lose? So we created a bunch of different algorithms, uh, mean reversion, momentum, and some predictive models. And we decided to test that in the market. And turns out we made money, um, actually made quite a lot of money with the strategies. So we then decided, uh, you know what, why don't we raise the fund, expand the strategies um, and sort of build, build a hedge fund from there. And it was through that process that we saw that this was such an archaic and daunting process um, that hardly was there any technology involved for a process that has existed for many, many years. So like, okay, we can, you know, revamp this, make it smoother, um, make it easier for fund managers to raise from investors and make it easier for investors to participate in actively managed funds. So we started building ancillary. Um, and from there, you know, you know, it was like sort of like once you open the box, you don't really, 
stop. You see other issues that could be better. And that's sort of how it started. Um, and when we looked deeper, we found out that eight out of 10 actively traded accounts lose money. So in the current landscape, and there are over in the US alone, over 100 million brokerage accounts. But eight out of 10, you know, that actively trade lose money. So we're like, oh, wow, people actually need expertise, you know, because most people just don't know what they're doing. Um, so we're like, okay, this is actually much bigger than we thought. So, you know, we started building out the capacities to enable anyone, you know, get access to actively traded portfolios, be it in stocks, be it in options, be it in crypto, and hopefully soon enough, even fixed income. Um, and that's sort of how we started and how we got here. Okay, so kind of walk us through a little bit, like if, if you know, someone was to find your website, maybe call it through the podcast, and uh, they, they went on it, and they wanted to kind of engage with what you're doing, they wanted to try, try the product, um, or just do something like what, what, what could what could someone do with your product? Um, you know, right now, what you've built, what you're building, um, you know, if someone's listening, and they just want to like, while they're listening, try it out, walk us through kind of the user experience here. Sure, sure. So um, we currently have an open waitlist. Um, we're also doing like a private uh, beta launch. So we're doing like a test pilot with some fund managers um, and some investors. So we'd be glad to have anyone on board if they would like to check it out. Uh, but for now, we'd love them to join our waitlist. Uh, but I can walk you through a process in terms of how it would look like. So be it from the fund manager's perspective or from the investor's perspective, let's start with the fund manager. So a traditional fund would be you set up the entity um, you raise the capital, you collect the capital, you set up the brokerage account, and then you trade that capital with the brokerage accounts. And this would probably cost the average fund manager between $25,000 to $100,000 a year to maintain the fund. With Ancillary, we sort of started by inverting the process and making it seamless. So how that works is that each investor has a self-directed brokerage account, and we just create a master account protocol with the fund manager. So he can start almost instantly with zero setup cost. Um, to him. So it's a very seamless, it's a very easy process. We built the dashboards and the trading platforms in mind because, you know, we started out as traders ourselves. So we, we made it very easy. You can tag trades, you can group trades. Um, you know, you can, it's a very simple process. For the investor, um, we made it as easy as possible in terms of our UI and UX, uh, making it very easy for them to understand the funds uh, and also building the analytic tools that you would have for institutional investors that uh, look at different fund managers and giving that to the average guy. So things such as the sharp ratio, um, being able to look at the fund duration, look at the fees, um, look at the strategy. And we're also trying to redefine the way um, the asset manager's business, business works, you know, making it more intuitive and making it more um, personal because through ancillary, for instance, the fund manager can host a town hall. We can have people come on Zoom uh, through the integration. Um, you can have Q&A, you can have commentary, uh, you, can you can send the fund manager um, your questions or your concerns about certain ideologies and certain, you know, and certain strategies. Um, and traditionally, this did not exist. It was more or less a dictatorship in terms of you just give the fund manager your money and that was it. Uh, you get your statements maybe six months down the line on the year after. But with this, we're trying to make it more intuitive, easier. And also, um, we're betting heavily that talent is everywhere in the world. Um, in all parts of the world, talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. And when you think of the asset management business, uh, particularly heavily on finance, it's it's very close-knit. Not everyone has access to capital. And with Ancillary, we built that infrastructure, whereas you could be a fund manager um, in India, 
in Dubai, in Singapore, in Morocco, in Kenya, in Nigeria, and you can manage capital for anyone. Um, so truly democratizing asset management and, and also in terms of creating what we call global market interoperability. If I'm an investor in North America, but I want to invest in the Asian market or in the Indian market or in the African market, I don't have the expertise to individually just go there and pick the stocks. But through ancillary, you can designate a manager to manage that portfolio for you in that local uh, jurisdiction. And that has never really happened before. Um, so we feel we can unlock and create sort of its own economy in terms of how we can redirect assets through that. And when you then get into vehicles like fixed income and much more. So we see tons of opportunity in that space, especially when you look at things with the newer generation. Um, they're not like that of the older generation, whereas, you know, they trusted their banks, they trusted the independent brokers. For the new generation, it's digital platforms, it's decentralized. So we also love that for us. This is, uh, this is awesome. I mean, I, when I first heard about this, I'm like, wow, you, you could, you could manage capital for anyone anywhere in the world. Like what, what a platform, right? Um, except I can't, I can't, uh, I can't uh, ignore the fact that th this must be kind of like, like you're innovating, like you're innovating anytime you innovate, especially in fintech. And in this world, uh, there's kind of like an idea maze you have to go down to like figure out like, you know, what to build, what not to build, what not, you know, what, what, what's right. Oh, that's a trap, you know, things like that. I'm curious, like, how have you thought about building product and was it straightforward from the first, like from day one? Like, did you know what you wanted to build? You just built it and here you are, or did you kind of need to like bounce around based on where you saw the market um, or was it something in the middle? Like, I think it's always a little bit of a blend, but I'm curious for you where, where you were at. Um, it was all over the place, actually. So initially we had, although it's so fundamentally the same idea, but um, in terms of the regulatory framework, um, once we learned that, okay, um, there are certain regulations in terms of certain markets, we had to sort of retool backwards, but it was sort of like, you know, um, like a maze, you know, so we just try to find which other door we need to go through to get to the endpoint, um, And that's sort of how we started um, eventually. Uh, so it was a lot of back and forths, um, a lot of back and forths, a lot of conversations with lawyers, um, looking at AML, KYC policies, you know, making sure we're in check with the different regulators and stuff like that. So that, that was, that's been quite the, the journey. Um, yeah, that, that, that's been very um, interesting. Although I'm not a lawyer, but um, I'm pretty sure I've learned tons of law <laughs> since I started this journey. And tell me a little bit about wh where this will be open. I, I guess, well, two questions. Where are you based as a, as a company and as a founder? And like, are you, can, and is the opening of who can use this kind of in the same place? Or is it going to be global out of the gate? Like, I, is it, I'm sure you can't just like press a button and operate everywhere in the world, right? Like, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good question. So in terms of where we'll be domiciled as a company, uh, we're incorporated in Delaware, uh, although we'll be setting up our New York office hopefully later, later in the year. Um, I'm currently in Toronto at the moment, but we'll be moving to New York as we go along. And hopefully around Q4 this year, we should be able to launch to the public, although for now it would be US only. Uh, but soon afterwards, um, we'll be able to onboard, um, except countries that are sanctioned, like Venezuela and North Korea, um, as of now Russia, but we should be able to onboard users from anywhere, from any parts of the world. Um, so for us, it's now integrating the different payment processes and the different gateways to enable that to happen. But for now, the US, once we launch later in Q4, and then within a few months after, globally. I guess another question around the same lines, 
I mean, you were running a company before you started th- this uh, ancillary and then, you know, COVID happened and, you know, he- here we are, um, yeah. you know, you, you, the way that you're, that you're building this, it, it kind of appears to me like you're building a startup, like you're kind of going down that path, uh, you know, technology, innovation, maybe some disruption, you know, something like that. What, what is like, what is different about building what you're currently building than what you've done in the past? Like, is there, have you noticed like a stark difference between just having a startup versus having like a business? Is there a difference at all? Or is it just like made up on tech Twitter? Like, what do you think about that? It's well, starting something from scratch, you know, it's, it's, it's also phenomenal. Like you can have this idea, then you then try to make that idea reality. And sometimes you don't see all the dots connecting. And then trying to, you know, piece out a team, you know, convince people to, to join you in the journey, uh, reaching out to partners and much more. So that's been quite a surreal experience, but also it's been very rewarding, I'll say. Um, in terms of the last company that I started, it was a lot easier because then the infrastructure was already built. So for us, it was more of custom acquisition, merchant acquisition, um, combining one or two technologies together. Whereas for Ancillary, we started building from scratch. So that was also like a very interesting process for us in terms of decide, deciding the stack, uh, looking at the different um, options to use. Uh, so it, it's been, this has definitely been more challenging uh, because, you know, we put our infrastructure from scratch, but it's also very rewarding because we get to paint the canvas however we want to, as opposed to using predefined options that were available bef- uh, to us before. Yes, totally. Um, and then I guess like I- I'm kind of curious about how do you think about what's going on in the macro markets right now? Does that impact you not as a company, but as like your, your, your product strategy at all? Does it matter to you the fact that like a lot of the, the, the tech stocks are tanking? Is that like good for you? Is that bad for you? Like, is, are you detached from it? Like, you know, any, any connection there? So historically, once the market is having this correction, um you definitely see outflows in terms of um capital outflows however it's also validates our opinion that once the market is rally most people feel like they're Warren Buffett you know and they know it all but once you have the corrections you know then they feel like okay I do need a manager to help me with this so it's also it is a good but it's also bad but you know it's for us we've seen tons of more people wanting to come on on the wait list because now they're like oh shit I don't know what I'm doing you know uh, let me get a professional uh, so it's been a, it's been a tailwind for us, I'd say. You're, you're saying I can't invest in GameStop at the top and be as good as Warren Buffett. That I that just it doesn't work like that. Like I can't you know get on <laughs> Robinhood, invest in in you know Car- Carvana at the top and before it tumbles sixty percent. Like <laughs> I, I, I just my whole worldview just got shattered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. There are dynamics of it, and also. Now with the new YOLO crew in terms of like the GameStop guys. Um, so it's also like, although it's it's also good for the market in terms of, because you have a lot of new entrants. So a lot of them are learning a lot of hard lessons too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, over, over time, I think it, it should it should get better for them. Dude, I remember I got into crypto um, on the 2017 kind of bull run and crash. Uh, and you, so I guess in hindsight, that was kind of early. Um, not, not super early, but er, you know, er, early ish. And uh, man, I remember it was like November of, was it 27? It was, it must've been 26. It was whatever, whatever the, I guess it was 2017, 2018. So it was November of 2017, um, where I was in uh, my co-working space 
And like, I was just like getting quote unquote rich. Not really. It was a like hundred. We're talking about hundreds of dollars. For me, it felt rich though. Cause like I, I never invested in the, in the stock market before. And like, I just yeah. saw my, my, my money, like $300, $400, $500. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love crypto. <laughs> And then it just completely, you know, that I lose the, the, the $400 or whatever. But what's funny is that during that time, I was working on this co-working space called Galvanize in Phoenix. I mean, it's a, it's a chain, but it was we have one in Phoenix. And I feel like as the prices were growing, everyone in the building was also watching the prices. Like in my brain, I'm like, everyone's watching everyone get rich right now. What a world we live in. And then high, oh, I'm like, no one was watching the prices. It was just me. Like, like, like no one. <laughs> so it's just kind of it, it, the psychology is of money is like a really interesting concept to me. <laughs> absolutely. 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 So what are, so, oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to ask a follow question. So would sure. you still invest in crypto today or? Yeah. So I am invested in crypto. I invest in things that people haven't heard of. Like, for example, I mean, I don't know, I guess, should I say this isn't investment advice? I don't, I don't know how this works. No, no, no. But... This is not investment advice. This is just a disclosure. Yeah. Let's put it out Oh, there. this is a disclosure. Great. This is a disclosure. I, I have a, I mean, you know, small for the rich people, but for me, like a decent position in brain trust. Um, brain trust is pretty much the upwork, uh, not the, uh, the, yeah, the upwork of web three. And my last right. company was in that space. And this company is like very undervalued. And I see all these other, not, it's a, not a company. It's like company protocol, whatever. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm figuring out the lingo, but the yeah. reason I, I invest in that is I see all these other cryptocurrencies that are just valued at such a high amount. And they're, they're, it's not that they, they don't deserve it. So I feel like it's inflated, but there's not that much, uh, utility, but I see brain trust, which is like 71st on the Coinbase on the Coinbase list. That's actually building the utility. And it's like, literally like, like a, like a hundredth of the, of the valuation of these other protocols and, and Bitcoins and, and, you know, and that stuff. So I'm like, I mean, I'm either going to invest in this. I'm either going to get rich off it or it's just going to stay because it's not going down. It's already so low. And that's been, that's been yeah. the right mindset. So yeah, I'm investing in crypto, but not like Bitcoin and Solana. It's like brain trust. Brain trust. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm not going like, to, the way that I kind of think about it on um, th that side is like, if I'm going to make, make a serious amount of wealth, it's going to be from Seed Scout. Um, and, and I actually for, forgot this at some point in the last year where it's like, oh my gosh, like if I just put everything into brain trust and it pops, like I'll get wealthy. But the, the truth is that's not, I mean, maybe I'll make $5,000. That's not wealth. $10,000 is not wealth. Like that's money, right? It's money that I can spend with, for rent and things like that, but it's not wealth. Like wealth is like equity and equity, you know, I got the most equity in one thing and it's seed scout. So I got to, got to make it work. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, what about you? Do you are you able to invest in anything as like the founder of this company, or do you actively so, not because of like you know I don't know how how do you think about that? So so ideally at Ancillary, we're not your asset manager. We just provide the tools and the infrastructure for third party managers to manage assets for people. So think of us as you think of Amazon, you think of Shopify. So we're like the Shopify for the. Uh, fund management industry or for the asset management industry. Uh, personally, um, uh, I'm more on the quant side. So in terms of, I don't personally try to pick stocks. I just let the algos do that for me. And my average holding period is roughly around two days. So for me, if it goes up or down, you know, like really agnostic to the movements um, and mostly indexes. So I don't trade individual stocks. Um, and sometimes commodities depending, uh, like when we had the, at the peak of the Russia, Ukraine, uh, invasion. So commodities are really peaking. Um, so, you know, made some money off of that too. Um, you know, just 
uh, idiosyncratic opportunities like that. Totally. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I have one serious question. If you had to invest in one of these two assets, what would it be? Dogecoin or Shiba coin? This is a really, really important question. Do you, <laughs> do you have an opinion on Doge versus Shiba? Those are the Shiba. Um, personally, I'd say no opinion. Um, but I think these are speculative assets, you know, to some extent. So if I would invest, I'd probably advise anyone to just put in probably no more than one to two percent of your overall investment capital. <laughs> yeah, and you're saying you're wait, you're saying I I I can't put a hundred dollars in a Doge, and then when Elon Musk tweets about it, it goes up by five million percent, and then I sell and get rid. That doesn't just I, dude, I love the crypto world, man. It's hilarious. Anyways, I want to change the topic a little bit um, uh, to a question that I'm sure you've gotten. Um, you probably like don't love the question, but I guarantee you, like a lot of people are thinking about it and listening. And I just think it's worth like like just addressing if if you if you're open to it. Like, there's a sure. lot of um, companies um, in specifically the VC world, uh, you know, the venture world that are like, oh, like we'll help you manage a fund. We, you know, like you know, AngelList or Assure or like you know now it's like Sidecar. Um, and I. I I think that it's worth, you know, I think it's important to explain kind of the, the, what you're doing and how it's maybe a little different from what's going on. Can you kind of like, you know, compare and contrast like what you're doing to some of the current players specifically and just like in venture capital and like maybe some things that are similar, but some things that, you know, maybe aren't? Sure, sure. That, that's, a, that's a great question. So for us, primarily at Ancillary, um, we don't invest in private assets. So things like real estate, uh, venture, um, we're mostly on publicly traded securities. So our infrastructure is built for managers to trade stocks, options, crypto, um, and fixed income. And part of the value that we have with Insulary too is that the investors are given real-time data and, and analytics. So you can see how your portfolio is doing um, every, literally every second, you know, or every uh, minute. Although I don't, I don't recommend that, but that's how big we are in analytics in terms of the platform. Um, and when you look at that space primarily, um, I and mean, what we're building, you can launch a fund for one month, for two months, three months, four months, five months, a year, two years in perpetuity with our platform. So we are very nimble in terms of what we built. Um, and also with transparency, for instance, as an investor, you're guaranteed that the fund manager cannot take your money or run away with it because of the, the new... Although there are a lot of great managers out there, but there's also a lot of fraud, you know, in the industry. Um, and with Ancillary, you know, we had that at the back of our minds when we started building to, to build in that investor protection. Um, so those are sort of the key differences in terms of the asset class that we offer. So we're for mostly for publicly traded securities. So stocks, options, crypto and fixed income, whereas the other platforms are for private startups, uh, venture, you know, and stuff like that, which is great. It's just not our focus for us. Totally. Well, let's kind of look out, um, you know, into the future in regards to your focus and and what this could look like in, in you know, five, 10 years. You know, what, what's your big vision here and what direction are you rowing in? Is, if everything goes as planned uh, with Ancillary, like what have you built? What will you build? No, absolutely. So let's just look at the, the market overview in terms of the digital investment industry. So as of 2020, it was 2.1, 2.14 trillion, you know, and that consists of the robo advisors and the neo brokers. Uh, it's predicted by 2028, it should be 6.9 trillion. So if you look at the amount of people that haven't had access to publicly traded securities around the world in terms of being able to trade stocks, being able to trade options, 
crypto and stuff like that, uh, the penetration has been very low for people getting into those into the financial system, and now it's expanding massively, massively. But yet, as people are getting access to these tools um, and I'll say equipment to to trade these securities, they don't have access to expertise. So a manager, for instance in let's let's try to think of a country for instance in argentina that just recently is able to sorry the average investor in argentina for instance is able to now buy u.s equities um doesn't have expertise in terms of being able to buy those equities with ancillary we enable that to happen um but our grand vision really is for anyone across the world to be able to manage capital seamlessly um, and for global market interoperability, we feel that there's tons of talent out there. Um, I keep on saying this to my team, that the next Warren Buffett would not be from Omaha, Nebraska. It can be from any part of the world. And it, who says it's going to be a he? It could be a she. You know, it could be anyone. So with ancillary, being able to provide those tools and those infrastructure is very key for us, you know, because like talent is everywhere. And I keep on saying that, you know, if you can bring in more people in the talent pool, you know, you can give... I'd say the the Wall Street, the Hetron boys are run for their money. Um, I, I do believe that's going to happen. Um, so in terms of being able to disrupt that, um, because uh, Wall Street is built on what I call OPM, you know, other people's money. So by disrupting that infrastructure that enables them to manage other people's money, you can hit the heart of Wall Street in terms of access to talent. So that that is my grand vision. I'm with you. It's uh, kind of a take on Wall Street. You're not alone, man. There, There's a lot of us in different capacities. I'm one of them that like, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, on a, a you know, random part of the world, but like sometimes I feel like Phoenix is a random part of the world. And then I'm just <laughs> like, 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 it's just what's going like the, you're, you know, what you're saying to access opportunity. It's like, and you know, talent is everywhere. Opportunity is not, it's like, you know, why, why does it have to be that way? It doesn't have to be that way. Right. Like it, 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 it can change with great founders like you. Um, so I guess my, my, um, you know, one of my last questions is, I mean, it's a grand vision. It's very, you know, exciting, uh, but you'll need some help, right. To make it happen. It takes a village Absolutely. to make a startup work. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders and seed scout community help? Are you hiring? Are you raising money, looking for partners, people to join your wait list? Like how can we assist? Well, that, that's a, that's a great question. And I'd like to give a shout out to you and Sea Scout and the whole community. It's been, it's been amazing. There's a quote that says, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to go farther, go together. Um, and that's sort of what I've had with the CSOC community. Um, we're currently raising um, our pre-seed round also. Uh, also looking to hire an amazing team also and growing our wait list. And CSCOUT has been helpful with all the different verticals. So uh, big ups, big ups, Matt. Thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I, I think community is very key because especially for me as a solo founder, it, it does get lonely too. Um, and sometimes, you know, um, you don't always see the picture when you're in the frame. So sometimes it's good to get someone else who can see this from a different perspective um, to say, okay, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why do you change this, change that? And that's been very helpful um, with, with C-Scout. And, and also um, personally too, it's also been, I, I'd say I've gotten a lot more motivation because well, I had a recent, so our first uh, developer that, that we hired, uh, he recently got a, another offer um, by another startup, who, which was going to pay him double of what I, I'd offered him. And he turned it down and he was like, because I believe in the vision. And I was just like, you know, let's like, go. Let's yeah, go. So Visionaries like, over mercenaries. That's the name of the game. Absolutely. So it just, it just put a lot of um, pressure, but also like 
this guy is dependent on us to make it work. You know, we have to make it happen. You know, um, it's, it's one thing to say, uh, you know, you're taking the risk as a founder, but when other people now take that career risk with you, it's like, okay, now, you know, um, let, let's get it. Uh, so we're fully committed. You know, we're, we're going to make this happen for sure. And for my last question, if someone wants to uh, learn more, reach out, join the waitlist, potentially invest, like how can they find you on the internet? Do you have a website, social media presence, email address, anything like that? Sure, sure. So check out our website, www.ancillary.ai. Uh, my personal email is george at ancillary.ai. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter, george at underscore Oni. Um, and yeah, please feel free to reach out. You know, I'm always open to, to listen to people, to want to talk to people. Um, absolutely. Cool. Well, it's great chatting on form, George. I love what you're doing. Excited to have you and see Scout Alpha. And let's make the vision happen. I'm excited to watch it happen and, and help, uh, you know, a little bit on the sidelines. Thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, much appreciated.